0: Welcome to The Brave Place, where we journey into the lives of brave men and women who have beat the odds or who are in the trenches right now. Difference makers who have truly discovered the warrior that lives within and are living it out. This is the place that will inspire, encourage, enlighten, and challenge that brave person that lives deep down within all of us. Welcome back to another episode of The Brave Place. I'm your host, Christy Rodriguez, and I am so pumped up today because I get to sit here and talk with one of my dearest friends. Her name is Tamara Picasso. Tamara, what is up? Hey! What makes this (laughs) What makes this podcast so unique is that Tamara and I are in the bottom bunk of her son's bunk bed because we are in her house in San Francisco and we don't have anywhere to record this podcast where the sound isn't like bouncing off the windows and the walls. So we've got blankets all around the edge of the bottom bunk and we are enclosed as if we're in just this awesome tent. And don't you feel like you're like back in fifth grade? Oh, I totally do. Having a slumber party? Yes. We just need a (laughs) flashlight and ghost stories. And we are, first of all, what time is it? It's midnight. It is midnight. But this is midnight for you. Yes. And where I live in Arkansas, this is 2 a.m. for me. Um, But this is what we have to do when, because we have to wait for the kids to go to sleep. (laughs) And we have five boys between us, so... It's yes. not an easy feat to get them to sleep. Yes. And four of those are hers, which that that should be a brave podcast all <laughs> in and of itself. Um you're you're one brave mama and you're an awesome mama. Thank you. Well, let's let's speak our minds here today, Tamara. Let's do it. What I wanted to do is just talk to you uh, because I feel like so many women have been through a similar situation. Yeah. And and men too. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And you've got a story with your marriage. There's mm-hmm. been some heartache, a lot of pain. And I, let me just say this. Uh, my husband and I, we've been here for with you for five days. Y'all have come to stay with us mm-hmm. for five or six days. We've been here last year, for five or six days. Just We've just become great family friends. Yeah. And I have watched you and Erami as a married couple. And I've just been so blown away about how you love each other well, you respect each other so much, mm. how you talk to him, how he talks to you. And again, we're not all perfect, right? No. But I will say um, just the language you use when you're around him, and I'm not talking about cuss words, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, because you don't cuss. But the language you use when you speak to him, just showing just honoring him and respecting him as your husband and vice versa. And I'm just sitting there going, How did how did y'all get to that place? Because I know your history. Yeah. And and it's pretty incredible to see these two people who are serving God with their whole heart, soul, and mind as well as each other, which is this beautiful picture mm. of Christ in the church. It's his whole image of marriage. And I just see you guys walking it out because I know you weren't always in that place. And there's been quite a bit of heartache and pain throughout your marriage, which I know has probably played a part in yeah. helping you get to that place. So I'm going to I'm going to stop talking now because I've been talking way too long. I want to hear from you. Let's start from the beginning. First of all, how'd you meet? Everybody loves a good romance story. Mm. And then take me through parts of your marriage and the breakdown and what led to some devastating circumstances um, that pretty much looked hopeless. Yeah. Like there was no way out.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, it's really encouraging to hear you say the words that you just said. Um it just makes me so proud of God and what he's done in us and through us. Because like you said, there was a time when there was just complete devastation. I'm just really encouraged by that. So thank you for noticing that and speaking that Um, it's really encouraging. So to take it back, Oh, man, taking it way, way back. When I was 10, I was best friends with his little sister and I used to go to her house and Jeremy was just so, he was 16, okay? You have met 16-year-old punks. Sure. He was not that. He was the sweetest guy that gave an awkward mushroom haircut, buck teeth, like <laughs> awkward looking girl the time of day. Even if he was annoyed by me, he'd be like, What's up, tough girl? How you doing? Like, he was just nice. Okay. And so at the age of 10, I declared to his family, when I grow up, I'm going to marry Aramie. Okay. And I would say it for years and years and years. There was just something about him that really struck a chord in my heart.
0: Mm. Did he see the mushroom haircut and that was it? I mean, he
1: absolutely saw the mushroom haircut
0: and that was it. (laughs) It was not mutual at the time, (laughs)
1: Um, but you know, I ended up going to college. So when I came home from college, we reconnected and it was like love at (laughs) recite, love at later sight. I don't know. It was instant when we reconnected. It was it was instant. And we just have not been apart since. So wow. So starting out in marriage, were things good starting out? Things were great. I mean, we were really in love and excited. And we actually got pregnant with our first son um, around one year being married as planned. That was the plan. So mm-hmm. things were just going great, we mm-hmm.
0: thought. And reality is about to set in, right? Reality is about to set in. The honeymoon phase is going to end soon. Yep. And it does. Mm-hmm. And so tell me, tell me what started happening with you guys. The truth is that. I was just an incredibly
1: broken person coming into marriage. I mean, we're all broken mm-hmm. coming into marriage. And you put mm-hmm. two broken people together mm-hmm. who don't know how to communicate or express um, their brokenness and what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's simply a recipe for disaster. Then I just became this very um, outwardly confident, positive, exciting uh, Enneagram seven type <laughs> person, life of the party. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside I was extremely insecure, unsure. I mean, I went to church and did all the things, was involved in youth group, but I didn't truly have that relationship with God um, that grounded me.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and even two people that don't even realize their brokenness.
1: 100%. Because
0: you were young. I was so young. I was 19 when we got married. Okay. Yeah. And and you hadn't. I mean, I know for me personally, like as far as me analyzing myself at age 19, I mean, that just wasn't happening. No. I mean, there's not that maturity going on where, you know, why do I do this? Or where does this stem from? So that's going to come into your marriage, come into play Mm -hmm. um, whenever your marriage hits um, a vulnerable
1: dip. Yeah. So, you know, things were great. Of course, the honeymoon phase is the honeymoon phase and everything's dandelions and roses. It's perfect. (laughs) Um, But, you know, we live in the San Francisco Bay Area. Things are expensive. We were freshly married. We didn't have any savings. Um, So Jeremy gets this great job and starts working a lot of overtime and doing side jobs. And he's working, working, working 16-hour days for weeks straight, just working so much to provide for our new family, right? <laughs> um, and... Hustling, which is so admirable. But of course, there's a lack of time spent together and a lack of communication and a lack of connection. With an absent husband comes highlighted insecurities, Mm -hmm. right? So those insecurities in me, you know, without me knowing, of course, are then being, you know, coming to the surface. Shortly after, you know, all of this heavy workload starts coming in, we end up finding out that we're pregnant um, with conjoined twin girls. Mm, wow, which was a complete shock. We were about fifteen weeks along. Um, we're at a three D, 4D ultrasound place um, to find out the gender of our baby. Actually, we had had multiple ultrasounds. They share a body and there are two heads. Hopefully, this is not too much information, but uh, you know there are two spines and both spines are fully outside of the body. The brains are hemorrhaging, and sadly, we ended up losing them um, around eighteen weeks or so, which was devastating, but as devastating as that sounds, like I'm looking at your face right now, Christy, and you just have this face of like heartbreak. Mm -hmm. And you would think that that's how I would have appeared back then. But in a very strange way, I kind of just wiped it under the rug and was like, okay, let's move on. Um, There were moments, of course, of, of shock. But the truth is, I don't think, I knew how to deal with what was happening mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. And so, because of who I had become due to past circumstances, it was very easy for me to take a situation like this, go, okay, not gonna deal with this, goodbye, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Um, which, of course, caused even more <laughs> mm-hmm. problems. Mm-hmm.
0: That so, would show up later. That would show up later. Yeah. Because that's, that's usually what happens. We, we take those moments. We sweep them under the rug. Yeah. We, we think they're gone, but they never are. Like, you have to deal with them. You have to face them, or they will show up in other ways down the road.
1: Yeah. I remember um, when we lost the girls. Um, I'll never forget when my grandpa found out about it. He started weeping. We went to his house to tell him the news. Because everyone was calling us asking, what's the gender? What's the gender? So we went to my grandpa's house and he started weeping. And I remember looking at him thinking, oh, my gosh, like, why is this hurting him so much? And in that moment, it was like a, a self-awareness moment where I was like, why am I not weeping? Mm. Like, what's wrong with me? How come, why
0: is he so sad? And I'm not, is he overreacting? There's like a numbness or an inability to tap into that reality and to feel what's happening. Completely. Because I had become
1: such a shallow person by choice so that I wouldn't have to deal with so many things that had happened in my past. Wow.
0: You've kind of numbed out. You have swept things under the rug, but it still affects you. Yeah. And you're probably, what, looking for relief, I would say.
1: Yeah, even though Aramie knew that there were problems and was putting all this effort in to try to remedy what was wrong. I mean, there were times where he was, you know, pleading for me to please just explain how he could be better. I mean, I want you guys to know how incredible Aramy is. OK, even during this time of disconnect, he was incredible and was doing everything he could to try to figure out how to be better, to fix what was happening. And the only way that I can explain where my heart was at the time is numb. It was just numb. There was no explanation that I could give um, at that time. And it's even hard now for me to articulate what was going on in my mind and my heart, but I was just numb. And when there's numbness, it's very easy for the enemy to come in and pry his way into your heart. And that's exactly what happened. And I was spending a lot of time without Aramee and there was no connection emotionally, physically, in any way. There was just there was a lack of connection. You know, when we were together, we were hanging out with our friends and that's where it all um, went down. We had um, some really close friends that became like our best friends. And we spent a lot of time with them. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. somehow I just started receiving this attention from this other person. And I would receive these text messages and calls and visits that were completely crossing the line from a female to a male friend or a male to a female friend. And I knew it and I knew it and I knew it was wrong. And I continued to allow it to happen. And lines just continued to be crossed. And then eventually it became a physical affair. And it was an affair for about a month before I shared the news with Aramee, which obviously completely devastated him. And I ended up moving out and into a home with this other man um, and stayed with this other man for about six months. And Aramee sought a lot of wise counsel and ended up filing for divorce. So we were almost legally divorced by the state of California, and my marriage was basically over. Jeremy had basically set the boundary that I was not to contact him or speak to him um, unless it was regarding our son and his visitation. Um, And he had to do that to protect his heart. And I was just still completely numb. To be honest, there were multiple times in the six months that I just I would wake up from this numbness and just break down and feel like, what have I done? Um, but the truth is I felt so deep down in this pit that was so slippery on the sides that if I even tried to crawl out of it, I would just fall back to the bottom. And that's exactly what happened. Multiple times I I tried to leave or I would musk up the courage to say that I didn't want this and I would somehow just And right back up at the bottom of the pit, just completely stuck. Mm -hmm. I felt so stuck. And I told myself, well, I I guess I better just make the best of this life that I've made for myself, knowing that it was my choices that got me there. Um, knowing that I completely destroyed my family and probably ruined my son, Um, living with all of this guilt, but also just pressing forward because I felt like it's the only thing I could do at the time.
0: Mm. Well, and I think so many times we do that in regard to we turn back to our sin um, Mm. to cope And all we know is there's yuck there and we don't like it. And so we go to any outside source and it's usually a sinful source Mm -hmm. um, because sin does feel good for a little while. It it ends up taking us to a a greater enslaved trap. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But for those momentary moments of relief, we still go for it. Right. Um, And it puts us in that stuck, slippery pit like you're talking about. And then and then there's that. That feeling of hopelessness, yeah, and it sounds like that's where you found yourself. Totally, I I truly felt like there was no way out. So when you're living this life now with your new person and mm-hmm. this new relationship, Jeremy's mm-hmm. over here living his life. You're totally separate. You're on divorce is on its way. You're yes. just waiting for the papers, right. basically. Mm-hmm. Did you have anyone in your life that was speaking truth to you? There were actually three people,
1: and I'll never forget this, um, three people in the course of six months that held me accountable. One was my dad. Um, I actually didn't speak to him, but he would call me and leave a message on my phone saying, Tamara, we need to talk. And that alone spoke a million words to my heart because I know him. I know his heart. I know where he stands and what he was going to say to me. And that's why I didn't answer his calls or didn't call him back. Um, So in a way that was accountability. Um, And then I also had two friends who came to me and basically said, I love you, but this is wrong. One of my friends actually said, I love you. This is wrong. And what's the girl's phone number? Because I'm going to call and be there for her. The girl, the wife of the man that I was now living with. Gotcha. Um, cause he was married also. I was the ultimate betrayer at that time. Yet I somehow was so concerned with my own self that I felt betrayed by her wanting to be there for this other person. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which even is so parallel to whenever we are in sin, mm-hmm. um, we are usually self-centered, so self-centered and, and you don't even
1: realize it. And aren't we always trying to put the blame on someone else Mm -hmm. completely? Um, And then the third person was a friend of mine who would come visit me and we'd have playdates with our kids. Um, And one day she told me, hey, um, my husband doesn't want me to come visit you anymore. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, uh, he thinks that you're going to be a bad influence on me. And I'll never forget that moment. It was one of those really sobering moments. Um, and to be totally honest, it was one of the catalysts for me to come out of the situation that I had put myself in.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now over in Aramie's world, and I know at the time you didn't know this was happening um, but this is one of the most amazing things to me. This shows me what kind of man Aramie is, mm-hmm. and it shows me the family he comes from, yeah. which, which is part of um, obviously what made him the man that he is. Yeah. And so later, you found this out. Tell those listening what was going on on Aramie's
1: side. So basically, while I'm over here living with this person, Aramie's family, who is also completely heartbroken. I mean, this was devastating for them, too, because I was their daughter-in-law, their sister-in-law, and we were very close-knit. Now, all of a sudden, I've betrayed them, okay. too. Okay. So they are just devastated, yet they're praying for me, for my soul, for my heart, for me to wake up, for me to come home, for restoration, for my son to have a not a broken family, for him to have a whole family. They're praying for this the whole time. Even though they're angry and hurt, and you know feeling all of those feelings of betrayal, um, they just continued to pray for me, which, my goodness, is so incredible.
0: Despite the pain and hurt they're feeling, they're able to rise above that and walk in faith. Yeah, and and step towards God no matter what. Yeah, no matter the pain, um, no matter the hurt, no matter the betrayal. They say, God, we trust you and we put this in your hands and we're going to pray for Tamara. Yeah. And I mean, that that is unbelievable to me. There's not many families that would do that if something like this occurred. I mean, they would side with their their family member and pray for their family member. But how often would they pray for Mm. the person who had the affair? The
1: betrayer. I mean, this is real life loving your enemy. I mean, I think about that. I have four sons and I think about today, I think about that happening to them. And would I really be able to be bold enough to do that? And I want to say yes, but I can't even imagine how difficult that would be. Mm -hmm. They're incredible. And God is so real in their lives. It's just awesome.
0: Mm -hmm. So tell me what happened, um, because obviously I'm sitting here with you today and you're happily married to Air Me and mm-hmm. you have such a rich, deep connection now. What snapped you out of that? I mean, what what brought you back? So, um, we'll take it back to me being deep
1: down in the pits of this hole that I can't seem to get out of and that I've truly just accepted. And I am in the car driving with this man one day, and we're listening to Caleb, which is ironic. Caleb is our Christian station. Mm-hmm. Locally here. Wow. Um, Yeah. We're listening to Caleb and a song comes on. The song is called You Are More. And it's like, you are more than the choices that you've made. You are more. Have you heard that song? I have. Okay. So that song comes on and I start crying and the guy looks at me and he's like, come on, Tamara. Are you serious? Are you still having all of these emotions? Like, are are, are you still crying about all of this? Because this has happened. Okay? And there are certain songs that just really make me wake up and the numbness starts fading. Um, and I just, I'm crying. And in that moment, I'm just kind of getting fed up with it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm crying. Like I'm getting kind of angry, right? And then after that, another song comes on and it's like, it's called Come Home. And the song starts wow. playing Come Home. Then we're driving home and I'm just quiet the whole time. And we get home and... He hops out of the car. He's like, come on. And I'm like, I'll be there in a minute. And he hops out and I hop on over to the driver's seat and I lock the doors and I pull out of the driveway and I leave. I had two sisters that lived right down the street. I call them up and I'm like, I'm leaving and I need your help. I need you to go get my stuff. And they're like, okay. So they go to my house and they get all my stuff and I call up my grandma and grandpa and I'm like, I need a place to stay. And they're like, you can't come here unless you mean it. And I'm like, I mean it. And they're like, then you can come here. So I go there. Uh, and to be totally honest, you know, for a long time, I thought, oh, it was the songs that gave me the courage. But the truth is that I had the conviction in me the whole time. Mm. And there were moments of that surfacing. Um, and it kind of just built up and built up and built up and built up. And then one day I realized as I was looking up from the depths of my hole that God's hand had been there the whole time. And all I had to do was just grab it. Mm. All I had to do was just hop in that driver's seat and pull out of the driveway and start going. I had no idea where I was going. My marriage was over. So I wasn't doing this to save my marriage because it was over, but I was doing it to save my soul. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. So what happened next? So then I... I move in with my grandparents and I call Aramie up and he's like, yeah. And I'm like, hey, I just want to let you know you can pick up little A at my grandparents' house today. He's like, "Okay, bye. Click. So I'm at my grandparents' house and he comes. He comes inside. You know, they love Aramie, like I said. And he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, I live here now. And he kind of laughed a little bit. I was like, "Okay," And then. He leaves. I mean, just imagine being him and mm-hmm. like, yeah, right. Like, I mean, I, I honestly can't even imagine the flood of confusion and emotion he was feeling during all of this. Um, so he leaves and then, you know, he comes back again the next time and the next time. And it's like, OK, what's going on here? And insert Love again. Uh, I was listening to Love one day and I heard an advertisement for. Uh, something called A Weekend to Remember, which is a marriage retreat. Um, and I heard heard the um advertisement and was like, oh yeah, well, must be nice. Like, I ruined that one, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I heard it again the same day, and it just really like resonated with me. And I was kind of like, God, I mean, at this time I was trying to talk to God a lot and I was reading the word and I was like trying to save myself. I mean, I I was in a pretty bad place. Um, All of that numbness had faded away and there was a lot of emotion happening. Mm -hmm. Um, I was depressed and I was confused and I was hopeful, but like not hopeful all at the same time, you know, just really all over the place. Like, who am I? Who, who actually am I Mm -hmm. and is there hope for, for me? Mm. Um, So I'm hearing this and I'm like, God, am I crazy? Am I making this up? Am am I making something of this? That's not actually happening. Like my marriage is over. So because I was crazy, I called Jeremy up and was like, Hey, and he goes, yeah. And I'm like, I heard an advertisement for this, this marriage retreat. It's called the weekend to remember. And I just wanted to know if you'd go with me. And he's like, no. And I was like, okay, but, um, Like I heard it twice today and I mean, I I don't, I don't, will you just pray about it? Like, can can you just pray about it? And if you feel nothing, then I promise I'll never bring it up again, but I, I don't know why I just, can you just pray about it? He's like, yeah. Okay, sure. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, that night he comes to pick up little a and he goes, I don't know what's going on, but yeah, I'll go. Wow. So, um, We go, uh, we take his truck and we drive out to a weekend to remember. And I think we were both angry. I was angry at myself and he was also angry at me. And we're just like, what are we doing? And then we walk into this place and literally turn the corner and right in front of us is the guy and Mm -hmm. his wife. Wow. Walking towards us. Wow. Wow. So in that moment, I turned around and jetted the other way. I mean, it was just so unbelievable. But Jeremy walked up to the guy and actually apologized to him, which is so crazy. But he apologized to him for um, speaking ill about him and having ill And basically, he just wanted to clear the air and be free. Mm. So he walked up to him, apologized, walked away completely free from any stronghold there, which I didn't even know about until later. Um, And then we go to this marriage conference and we find our aisle, we sit down and they're sitting two aisles right in front of us the entire time. And it was, I mean, to be totally honest, it was just complete torture because the whole time I'm thinking like, why are they here? Like did, did, is he here because he knew that I was going to be here? Like, is this manipulation or is this real? And God, how could you call me here? And then for us to run into them, like, this doesn't make sense. And at the end of the marriage retreat, there's this moment where everyone turns and faces each other to renew their vows. And everyone turned to face each other except two couples in the room. I bet you can't guess which two couples that was. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So awkward. So we're standing there facing forward while there are couples renewing their vows. We're side by side. And now I'm speaking for Aramie. He's standing there and he feels God whisper to him. Take your wife's hand.
0: Hey, everyone. This concludes part one of Tamara's story, but don't go yet. I have a final brave word and challenge for you, and I have good news, which I'll go ahead and tell you. I didn't want to leave you hanging. So part two is already available, and you can download it now. And I got to say that part two might be my favorite because it's just so jam-packed with just transparent truth and the power of God You'll hear about the miracles God has done in Tamara's life and in her family. She's going to share valuable tools with us about facing trials in marriage and in any area in life, and she's going to speak directly to those who have walked a similar path. So uh, like I said, part two might be my favorite. You don't want to miss it. And now before you go, I want to leave you with a final brave word and challenge. As I reflect on this part one of Tamara's story, the word Courage, in all caps, comes to my mind. I can't help but be inspired by her courage to share such a vulnerable piece of her past, putting herself out there, risking judgment or ridicule from others. I I think it's a clear testament of her relationship with the Lord and how grounded she is, because Tamara is more concerned about helping others and showing off God's goodness than she is about the judgment of man. That's why she's sharing your story with us. And again, part two is going to bless you. Trust me. So check it out. So how does Tamara have the courage to share such vulnerable parts of her life? Well, I believe it's because she's no longer bound by the shame and guilt of her past. And she understands what freedom in Christ is all about. When we can get to a place where it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks, except what God thinks, the man can no longer have power over us. There's nothing more freeing than that. And that's that's when our influence can spread like wildfire. Knowing who you are in Christ breeds confidence, which breeds action and then influence. It reminds me of the verse in 2 Timothy 1.7, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That verse says we have power and confidence when we are deeply connected to our creator and we have the ability to live in obedience and love others well, putting them before ourselves. When he is the most important relationship in our lives, our roots run deep and an unshakable foundation is formed. When that happens, courage isn't something you have to try and muster up every now and then, but instead courage becomes a part of who we are the very essence of our being. So my brave challenge for you is this. Examine your own life and find an area where you're lacking courage. Then ask yourself, what's the truth about that situation? And what's the truth about God in that situation? Then put God's truth into action over it. And let me remind you, our habits shape our hearts. So if you can make it a practice to spend time in God's word and in prayer with him, You'll become like Tamara, deeply rooted with an unshakable foundation and a courage that is unstoppable because it has become who you are. Thank you again for joining us here at The Brave Place. And if you enjoy hanging out with us, please rate this podcast, hopefully five stars, add a comment and subscribe. Tell your friends. Our hope is to impact as many lives as possible with these powerful stories. And if you have a brave story you'd like to share or just want to give feedback, good or bad please shoot me an email to Christy at org. That's Christy spelled C-H-R-I-S-T-Y at thebraveplace.org. Now, go jump over to part two of Tamra's story and let it rock your world. And until next time, have a brave day. Thanks for listening to The Brave Place, part of the KLRC Podcast Network.